Good morning, friends. I come from Pondicherry, and uh, it's a wonderful place, imbued with the atmosphere of the mother's love, and the place of tapasya, the seat of tapasya of Shurbindo. Its ancient name is Vedpuri, where Rishi August had done a similar kind of tapasya. in far back times and what i bring from there is some good news see better news and the best news and something better than the best the good news is that this world is not an accident it is not a random working out of nature through all our ignorance and all the events that seem to shape our lives have hidden within them a deep wisdom an occult truth as shobinda puts it a truth occult has made this world and maya is a veil of the absolute it is not some cunning of miss maya that has led us into some state of perdition a truth stands behind creation not just as a helpless witness as we are told sometimes but as a dynamic source of all things the dynamic source of life and energy and love just like our sun the source of light that shows all things but also the source of heat that gives birth to all things absorbs back all things sustains all things so this truth is at once passive a witness and dynamic a doer the soul doer one of the upanishads puts it beautifully suryo yatha sarvalokasya chakshu nalipyate chakshu she bahi dosha it is engaged witnesses all things he is the eternal witness so we don't have to worry when we go through different acts of life and you know we want somebody to know what we have done there is an eternal knower he knows we don't have to worry about what people think or what they say or how they look at it he knows he has the record of everything within us it's so wonderful to know this but there is a better news and the better news is that we need not accept it as a belief system that there is god there is truth there is call it by whatever names the better news is that we carry that source within ourselves and there are ways and processes by which we can not only glimpse or come in contact but actually become one with that truth sounds bold and presumptuous but that has been the experience of all the mystics throughout this world and that process of an initial engagement and eventual discovery and finally becoming one with that truth is called yoga yoga has little to do with merely mind body techniques it can be a preliminary and a preparation after all we are going to engage with truth that can burn the whole creation and gives birth to all creation so it's good to do some warm up exercises so all the exercises of body and breath and mind control and they are like warm up exercises because we are going to meet our soul beloved 
one whom we have been searching through many mass through many lives so it's wonderful that we can become one with it it's not belief system it's not a religion but it's yoga and that's why there is a difference between faith and belief system belief systems begin and end with a belief system but faith is something which precedes knowledge it's the starting point of a great journey a discovery to put it like this when somebody undertakes uh, some of us have undertaken first time they have come here and some of us undertake a journey let's say to go to pondicherry or the himalayas um, for the first time then we have a faith that there is something like that this faith is not a belief system where i believe that there is himalayas and because my grandparents told me so and because the grandparents or my grandparents told me so and because my religion says so and because so and so says so no it's a faith and that discovery must be undertaken otherwise it's meaningless it's not enough to know that there is such a wonderful truth lying within us unless we engage with it with all the sincerity with all the intensity that we are capable of and are ready to make this sincerity and this intensity grow over a period of time and the best news is that in this engagement we are not alone it's not a one sided process it's not like i have been taught some techniques and methods and i do it all by myself it's not through a handbook that one practices yoga try it so there is the source not only within us not only around us but it takes a human shape he comes to us as the master of yoga or if none of these the divine from within who is all around he helps is not just an abstract occult truth it's a being for a very simple logic you know people often ask because when they think of being they think of all the definitions of god with always has to be bearded god i don't know why and has to be with a carrot in one hand and a stick in another that also i don't know why is because human beings project themselves into god and there is truth in it but the very fact that there is something or whatever we may call it that which is all conscious and all knowing surely it knows itself and is conscious of itself by definition it's a being the moment we say it's a tremendous truth consciousness so it it be observed that this truth consciousness knows everything except its own self <laughs> the moment it knows itself it's a being by definition not the being that we project by our minds which is accepted because well we start by groping you know when we write learn in kindergarten how to write a b c d the teacher does not dismiss our first illegible scrawl keeps improving upon it till we finally learn that yes this is what a is and this how it becomes perfect so these notions have been accepted simply because you know they were necessary so all religion is like a kindergarten school where we have notions of the beyond we have notions of god we have ideas of hell and heaven and god knows uh, karma and this theory and that theory but the real process starts when we start engaging not just as a belief system or religion or an ideology but actually trying to reach there and it is then that we discover that there is a help and an aid that is available all the time so this is the best news and this help is not dependent on this or that person if we are really 
seeking for it, we must know for sure that that is also seeking for us. This is a very beautiful uh, line from Shurabindo's synthesis of yoga. He who chooses the infinite has been chosen, chosen by the infinite. So we may think that we decided to come first, but there is someone else who decided that, okay, now this fellow is ready, let's enroll. <laughs> so that's the best news. Thus far, we know many mystic literature speak about it, at least some parts of it, some way or the other. Shubhinda also speaks about it, that, but then truth for him is not just a witness, but a dynamic reality. Also the yoga he speaks about is not just a partial yoga. Partial system of yoga is where a part of us glimpses something of that reality. The heart glimpses the secret beloved and the mind, the source of all light, the supreme effulgence, the radiance. And the will in us discovers the master of all works, the soul doer. These are partial systems of yoga Shobindu speaks of integral yoga, meaning thereby, why not a wholesale engagement? Why should we do in bits and parts? Imagine somebody loves us, or we love someone, and we give in bits and parts. That's not called self-giving. It doesn't lead to utter union. If you really want to engage with that truth, then it should be a completeness in it. And that completeness, to use one word, is integral yoga, without going into all the semantics, definitions and details. It's a complete engagement with that reality, including the bodily engagement. Everything should be engaged in that discovery because everything has come from that. But as I said, there is a still better news if better than best there can be. And it is that this truth which is unfolding from within all things, you know, this unfolding is called as evolution in biology because we don't see what is unfolding. But in spiritual science it is called as manifestation because that is manifesting itself. So it has reached a critical point in the history of creation. And that point is now when something new is seeking to burst out, a new evolutionary energy which is trying to express itself. Before we talk a little bit about this new evolutionary energy, people have a, have a problem when it is said that this creation is a manifestation of the divine. This truth which is there is not a harsh, bare reality. We often have this idea, truth. Truth is harsh, you can't take it. Those who have experienced truth will say truth is beautiful. It's the most beautiful most beautiful, most beautiful without any thing or person than anything else in the world. It's harmonious. It's blissful. And the moment we speak of that, the question arises, but this creation, where is beauty in it? Well, there is. Till man came, there was a lot of beauty. And even in man, we shouldn't uh, demean man. Sublime impulses. Look at a mother not eating, not sleeping, because she's worried about her child. What kind of love is this? Even, even as human beings, there are beautiful things that stir us. You see, sometimes we are too much taken away with all the media stories. So, you see, where is the new creation? New creation is everywhere. Wherever there is a heart, there is a new creation taking shape. 
wherever there is a seeking there is a new creation taking space shape wherever there is an aspiration so this manifestation is not a sudden one day manifestation it's a process so step by step it is unfolding itself and in this unfolding what we call today as evil and ugliness and all kinds of things they come up strangely paradoxically interestingly they are thrown up by the supreme wisdom so that we can discard it once and for all to emerge into something more beautiful and better after all this was the evil that yesterday we loved 100 years back humanity engaged with all these things the gladiators the all kinds of things animal slaughter ransacking the earth which we did it we never thought that it's something evil today we know it is evil why because there is a progress which has taken place somewhere we have learned now it's very interesting that this night you know every time before you know we can com- compare this whole new creation to the process of childbirth so before every time there is something new which is going to come there is a preceding event so you know in indian mythology it's like before krishna there is kansa before rama there is ravana so before shurabindu there is not one but quite a few who came and their names are legion what are their names imperialism freudianism biologically based communism why i am saying is because there is a divine communism there is a truth in it all these fellows came and declared by consensus that there is nothing like divine positivism good it had a good turn to it there were all kinds of things which came and along with that if you really look at you know just make a search of the revolutions in various centuries suddenly you will see that everything stops with the 18th century 1700 middle you see the age of revolution start goes on till almost even now we feel the stirrings only its nature has changed what was happening before that was mankind sleeping perhaps it was it had accepted its status quo things are the way are for thousands of years women wear where they wear the slaves wear where they wear and we had all accepted those fixed positions for thousand years not i mean more than that it just needs a little everything is now available on when did the revolution start when is the age of revolution we'll see late mid 1700 the french revolution uh, the american revolution many other revolutions we started what was they what were these revolutions they were preparing the soil you know when a farmer before he sows the seeds the new creation seeds he must till the soil so it was a tilling of the human soil because if it remains in its comfort zones what is called as tamas it cannot conceive it has to be ready for the blossom which is going to come even before the seed is cast so around that period we see a preparation going on and then there is this conception now what is this conception who are the parents for this new creation it is the soul and nature they have been fighting for a long time sometimes the soul turns away from nature and says i don't like you i take divorce so you have the other worldly spirituality vedanta 
of a certain kind, not the true Vedanta, not the original Vedanta of Sri Krishna, not the Vedanta of Bhishma, but the Vedanta as it came down, Mayavad, she is a bad lady, Maya, she has ensnared me, she has ruined my life, let me turn away from her into some state of moksha. The husband goes away. How will the lady conceive? Soul is the husband. That's the meaning of the Shivalinga, incidentally. Or else, nature revolted. You talk about spiritual things, moksha and this, that. I'm not going to leave you. So, all kinds of snares. So, a kind of relation developed between soul and nature, which was as if they were mutually antagonistic to each other. So, mystics began to withdraw into caves. And their address was cave number 22, Himalayas. <laughs> cave number 33, till Coca-Cola found its way there also. <laughs> I'm not joking. You go to Badrinath, you will see the world's highest tea stall. And you'll see a Coca-Cola and <laughs> Nature has its way. She says, wherever you go, I'm not separate from you. You want to go to your parents' place? You know, it's a reverse. <laughs> I'm going to catch you there. I'll make sure that you come back. So this uneasy compromise has been going on between the two with all the theories and various theories. But nature and soul are not too separate. They are not meant to be separate. They are meant to come together, harmonize, both to grow. You know how this growth takes place? That's why people say don't conceive, don't have a child very soon in marriage. There's a great truth in it. Prepare yourself, know each other, otherwise you'll end up fighting. So, for a long time, now this is a child of new creation which has to come. So for a long time they are fighting, then they begin to reconcile. You know how people living together over four or five or six years... I have to say some of the things because there are a lot of youngsters. You have called them future mothers. So they must know. It goes parallel. If you know spiritual life, you will know everything about every form of life. This I can tell you. Don't treat spirituality as something other than life. The same pattern. If you read that script, you can read all other scripts of creation. So then they prepare and then they start coming up. So there is the conception. How the, does it take place? Now parents are ready for the child. They start dreaming what this child should be. What do they want? So there is a dreaming phase going on. So we see various ideas, conceptions, Superman and ideas of Superman. Idea even of a new creation. And I was very happy to know, perhaps you may not know, in Greenville there is even a church called New Creation. Interesting. So there are ideas which have gone into this atmosphere. It's conceived as an idea. Before you have an actual conception of a child, it's conceived as an idea. It's also part of the preparation. So mind of the race, you know. And then the child is conceived. And when the child is conceived, who knows? Nobody except the mother. And how does the mother, how is it known to others? Either the mother will tell or she will start throwing up abnormal manifestations. See, it happens not during pregnancy. All doctors know about it. Suddenly, mothers begin to vomit. She begins to, her taste changes. She has never had uh, salty things. She begins to like salty things. Blood pressures go up. Isn't it? It's a common knowledge. So what was happening in the last uh, century and we can see it even now abnormal manifestations being thrown up by nature. You know, if you read the Bhavishya Puran, it's one of those futuristic uh, 
things in Indian thought. So it's very interesting that you can read it both ways. So people say, you know, when Kalyuga is going to be at its densest or the worstest worst, you will see all kinds of abnormal things. Men will become like women and women will become like men. So when I read it, I said, this is not all that bad after all, you know. <laughs> Basically what it means, if you really look at it, that all the patterns of the present and the past are broken up. All the fixed measures, that's what is happening. A woman's body is reorienting to something new that is going to come. And behind that also you see there is a tremendous logic of nature. You know, she goes through all this. So when she has a child and she has to keep awake, she finds it very comfortable. After all that, these are, something new is coming. It's tumultuous. It's turbulent. It creates a change. So we, if we look at just around the time, the two great wars, what are they? They are vomitings from nature of all the malaise which was deep hid inside. The worst coming out, not only during the war, not only in the form of people fighting with each other, in the form of worst forms of diseases. Many people may be aware, you know, more people died of flu in the First World War than of the actual weapons. All this was going on. Convulsions of the earth. Shubhindu speaks of that. The last dying spasms of the earth shall shake the nations. And when that has passed, earth, vast of its ills, shall raise a fairer brow. So it's a cleansing process. In Savitri there is a line, a seed shall be sown in death, tremendous hour, in the midnight. A seed is sown when all this tumult is going on. And why this tumult is necessary? Because... See, what happens as a result of First World War? Suddenly human beings confronted themselves more than anybody else. We can be so horrible. We can destroy. We were on the verge of finishing everything. So, oh, let's come together. So, there was a uh, farcical thing called League of Nations. But it was a, you know, farcical today, but at least a step. People want to come together. Mooted by America. Something very nice. People often forget the beautiful side of history. Then there is another convulsion. Followed by United Nations Organization. Now we know that, well, it's not perfect, it's not adequate. But we can equally say that it's a child which is going to grow up. So more and more the world started coming together. Engaging, not just in war, but in something more beautiful. Because they realized that, well, it can create life miserable. So these were the abnormal manifestations. The number of people going mad. I'm a psychiatrist by profession. And I can tell you that there is a sizable number of people, I am not saying all, who look like they are going through madness, but they are going through a deep existential angst. Please don't take it as, you know, an invitation and start writing to me for cure and <laughs> I get these letters and I don't know what to say because it's not like, you know, suddenly you write a letter and I send a magic <laughs> miracle air. It's a, it's a serious thing. But... More and more I observe, there are terms which are coming up, existential crisis and, you know, it's, it, it was all, all these things which we continue to see now. Men trying to become women, women trying to become men, gender neutrality, all these things which we see today as strange are basically presages because the patterns are broken. Children no more go to temple or the churches except for marriages or to show off their dresses. Which is fine, because the age of churches and temples and mosques is over. 
however hard we may try to hold on to it the evolutionary process will just demolish it we don't have to worry so much you know we get anxiety oh this is happening that is happening look at shri arbindo the first world war you know we just heard a little bit about savitri you know when this savitri started being written of course it's uh, in 1893 shri arbindo did write a very early earth and the beyond but in a proper way systematic way if you want to put it it's when the world war first world war was it it's thick what was shri arbindo seeing in that darkness you know we become cynics looking at life around us he was seeing light he was seeing that oh darkness is so dense light is round the corner can i invoke that light see it has such practical implication in everyday life we talk about new creation then we sulk and slump and say look you know look at cia look at kgb look at this country that country darkness is dense light is round the corner didn't a great poet say when it's winter then spring is not far away what happens in winter same process you see all it sheds all its old leaves the trees shed their old leaves they become like barren lifeless things what is happening the whole being of the tree is getting self engaged deep inside why because it has to throw up multiple colors in time to come so that's exactly what we begin to see that a time comes when all this is going on amidst this turmoil and all the old measures have gone away or are going away in the western context here there were flower children and baby boomers and all kinds of things in the indian context it was oh kalyug aa gaya all our old values have gone they don't get up and touch the parents feet so parents were very worried and disturbed about it they believed that they are worthy of their feet being touched that's a different story altogether <laughs> women no more listen to their men so it was a satyuk for women but kalyug selective kalyug for men <laughs> you know we have our own ideas of life but amidst all this something new had started like the winter the tree had begun to look deep inside for the sources and founts of whatever it was seeking outside and if you really search you know it's amazing that in 1914 shurbindo when he starts writing about the synthesis he says indian yoga once when it had confined itself to the ascetic schools is now stepping out of the caves into the world i don't know you know the only thing that had started was swami vekananda and subsequent swami prabhupada and few others had come here swami rama came subsequently little later and of course there was paramans yogananda now what what what's happened now 100 years down the line few days back we had the international yoga day it doesn't matter yes it's not the ultimate yoga but it's infancy infant is a infant the parents understand that infant is not supposed to do phd at least there is a recognition that there is something greater deeper truer and then people will explore it's a first lead and some people may have noticed the coincidence or may not have the significance of 21st june which is known now as the international yoga day well the arya was conceived at that time it it is the summer solstice that's true which is also symbolic 
and it's the day when the Arya was conceived through which Shurabindu has lines page after page to the earth's dim children were given. That's how the Arya is best described like that. Wine of the gods born from the presses of light and page by page to the dim children of earth were given. The entire writings, you know, through the Arya. That is the time when 1914 to 1920, Shurabindu writes the Arya and we have Savitri 1916 onwards and getting completed around the Second World War. Because these were very obvious signs. Now we see that human beings are entering into a subjective stage. People are often very worried about it. They say that, oh, my child now, you know, doesn't listen to me. This is one of the big problems. It just doesn't listen to me. Of course, again, I always say that as parents, and I can say this, I am a parent myself, that please let a sobering and humbling thought come to us because humility opens the doors to knowledge. Am I worth listening? (laughs) Maybe I am disconnected. Maybe my children think I am talking gibberish and it's enough that they are just somehow listening and not telling me back that look, don't be a hypocrite. It's going to come. When children are going to say that, well, we respect you, but doesn't mean, you know. By the way, you know, it's described in Indian mythology. So for children, those who, um, you know, parents may say sometimes, oh, what has happened to these children? The first child who revolted in Indian mythology, know his name? His name is Prahlad. What did he tell his dad? Dad, everything is okay. I respect you, but I don't believe what you're saying. You are saying, I am God. I am saying, you are not God. God is God. (laughs) He is there in everything. You are not there in everything. You are just the king of a kingdom. You can't be God. But don't we still follow that? We as parents believe after 25, 30 that I know all that is called knowledge. That's when knowledge ends and ignorance begins. If you really want to know, we don't have to read books. Books are okay, they are aids, but they can also create structures. But we have to be like a child. Throughout, there is always something to learn. There is so much, so much. And just to engage with things, to go deeper, not be satisfied with just reading some bit of information, whether it's scientific literature or this or that. The moment we have this sense of wonder, this seeking for something greater, higher, truer, more beautiful, yoga has begun. It doesn't need to be in a You know, we go to a hermitage or an ashrama where there is an orange-robed or a white-robed or whatever-robed fellow who tells us, from today, thou shalt begin the yoga. Let's get rid of all these um, puerile conceptions useful in their own time. But we are entering more and more an age when yoga will automatically become um, activated in human consciousness because human beings are meant for yoga. In the truest sense. We cannot live without it. That's why we are unhappy, dissatisfied ever because, you know, the only thing that can really fulfill us is a deep engagement with yoga. So we see this subjective stage which has started because of which now children want to do what they feel like doing. Now, there will be errors, of course. If you want no errors, then you will have the perfection of a paralyzed child. 
I have coined some of the terms. One of them is zero error syndrome. Parents suffer from it and they instill it in the child also. So when we grow into adults, we suffer. Oh, what if I make mistakes? So we, our centering is on mistakes. Whoever did anything beautiful in life did it because he took the wager of mistakes. And therefore he went ahead. Oh, what is the perfect way to do yoga? Should I sit with 360 degrees or 180 degrees? Am I reclining against the back? Is it okay or not? Trash. What's going on inside is more important than what's going on outside. All the yogis who ever found something, it was because they carried this fire wherever they went. And it's this fire which opens the door. I want to know. It doesn't matter lying down, sitting, walking, which way in Greenville, in Farming University, eating food, Pondicherry, X, Y, Z and all the world in between. This is what is happening. This subjective age has started. So people have become explorers of an inner life landscape. Unwittingly. They don't know but they are. That's why these children are so beautiful. Because they don't believe anything just because it has come from inheritance. Which is very good. Because they are discarding not only good inheritance, but they are also discarding all the evil inheritance. Lots of shadows we have inherited. We don't realize it because we just identify it. You know, like in the Indian context, the Sas, who had suffered as a Bahu. <laughs> when she became a Sas, she was not having a soap. It didn't have a sobering effect on her. She became a worse. Here there are good people. So I know that. <laughs> this is new creation. <laughs> but old creation you see. The mother-in-law. When the daughter-in-law came. She was pretty bad. Harsh. And you know the logic. Very twisted logic. The logic was. You know how we were dealt with. Are then have compassion. If you will. <laughs> no. This happened to us. Therefore. We must pass it on. Now children are freed from this baggage. It's a freeing from the baggage of the past which is going on. And we should be happy about it. But we are so unhappy when we look at these. So this freeing process is going on. This is a sign. The restlessness. No hyperactivity of the mind. We talk about, oh, truth is beyond the mind. Very good. We are not even mental beings. That's the problem. So when we talk about beyond the mind, sitting in meditation, we go into sleep. And we say, ah, wonderful meditation. I came out so fresh. Of course, you sleep and you will be fresh. As long as you don't snore and disturb somebody else's sleep. <laughs> There's a joke about it that two people, uh, you know, they, two friends used to go to a place of meditation. And, you know, one of the friends was very impressed by the other fellow. He comes, closes the eyes, two hours he's meditating. He said, I wish I could have one-tenth of this. One day, this friend just won't get up. <laughs> he said, now, this is samadhi. <laughs> so for another half an hour, he waited. What to do? Now, you know, ultimately, your survival instincts take the better of samadhi. So he gently nursed him. I'm sorry, you know, to bring you out of that high state, but... oh. Is it? Everybody has gone. Ah, I had a wonderful sleep today. <laughs> so let's not mistake meditation with closing the eyes. Let's not mistake it is with, you know, because when the mind is in a state of tamas, this is what happens. When somebody came to Swami Vivekananda and said, I want to 
I I'll renounce everything. I want to renounce everything. So you know what was Swami Vivekananda's reply? What do you have that you will renounce? Go and earn one lakh rupees, then talk about renunciation. So you see, this state of tamas should not be mistaken. This inertia. This is not uh, you know immediately the moment we talk about you know I remember in Air Force days when I would go up and down a lift early morning we used to go to a center to do some work and in the lift I would meet sometimes some of my friends so one of the Air Force officers so you go every morning I said yeah, where do you go he said you know there is a Shurbindo center here oh you do yoga there now I know what he is going to ask thankfully it was only the lift so I didn't have to answer much. I just nodded and came out. What kind of yoga? What exercises do they teach? Mm-hmm. This yoga is about inner exercises. It's not about outer exercise. The inner exercises try doing topsy turvy, you know, see sashan and see what happens. We are looking at the world with inverted eyes, and when we correct itself, we say it's see sashan. <laughs> when we do it inside, then we realize oh. The world is not what I saw. This is called reversal of consciousness. When we touch even a little fragment of truth, the whole consciousness reverses, and we begin to see wisdom where we saw chaos. This is the beauty of this whole process. So we see all this going on in today's times. Many such things. Now it is so strange and surprising that last. Seventy-five years, we have the atom bomb, and every country threatens everybody because I have the atom bomb. In the previous century, in the first fifty years, when there was no atom bomb, except toward the end, we see two great wars where almost every nation got drawn willy-nilly, isn't it? What stopped the war? Strangely, was an atom bomb, which is very. Look at the ways things work. Now, today, with 75 years of atom bomb, humanity goes to its brink and comes back. The latest was on 21st June, when it was like a drone has been hit and we are going to, you know, but it comes back from the brink inexplicably. What is this? Has there ever been this kind of aspiration in humanity? You know. How does this new creation declare itself? First, in the dreams, imaginations of the race. All these suddenly we have superhero comics, all these Marvel, DC, all coming up alive with saving the earth. I'm not saying that you know you can look at it in another way, but let's look at things in a uh, you know as I said, say infancy. But at least there is a cry, there is an urge. Something better, something more beautiful. Yoga, which turned away from the world. If we hundred years back, I come from a land of yoga, and fortunately, I, by mother's grace, I've studied a lot of literature from the past. And everywhere, this was my problem. What is all this ultimately otherworldly? Then what is this world? What is this creation? Nowadays, people want some. They want to make this world beautiful. Hundred years back. This was not an option. There was religion. There was no yoga, or let's say that the original yoga had degenerated into a religion. So, what does religion teach? Be a good guy. You have your rewards elsewhere. What about this place? Forget about it. You want the reward? You have your reward. That is promised. 
all that you need is this what is this uh, badge from an university and you will get your lunch free <laughs> out there you can't take it anywhere else so if you have signed up to a particular religious order to a sect to a monastery call it whatever and you have this tag inside stamped upon you baptized initiated so on and so forth you will have your reward where in in that that world what about this world karma you know you have to go through that so what will the reward do what will we do with that reward we don't know maybe you will not come back to this mess that in the indian context it was ensured you will not come back into this mess so the western religion went one step further it says there is no come back any which way <laughs> all that is there is that you can either suffer a damnation or you can be lifted up to heaven all that is needed is well i owe my allegiance so but what about this world an inexplicable something kal or maya or titan or i don't know evil or uh, what is that fellow who tempted the first man and woman <laughs> whoever it hmm? yeah yahova all these kind of concepts everywhere it's not every religion has similar conceptions that this is a condemned place we are here because we have committed some mistake and we are meant to suffer of course sometimes the suffering is little less than you are born in america <laughs> or you can migrate but if you have really done something which is very bad then you are born in india <laughs> but when you see with the yogic vision what do you declare you say while all other nations are bhogiyoni that much is all right you get a reward for whatever good or whatever deed but india is a land of yogiyoni when a person is ready to engage with yoga he is born in the land of india it's complete reversal of viewpoint because in india you cannot live without engaging in yoga this much i can assure <laughs> you go on the read uh, roads and you have yoga why because equanimity <laughs> you want to practice vasudevam sarvamiti just walk through every place go to a hotel whatever is served the only way you can eat it is prasadam then you don't have to worry about the bacteria virus and all those things you drink water it is amritam <laughs> you meet people and you have to say sarva bhuteshu chatmanang tatona vijugupsate he shrinks from nothing you'll end up shrinking from nothing it's it's a fact and though i'm putting it semi humorously it's a tremendous training in yoga because you end up shrinking from not from nothing you end up embracing everything because you live with everything in one single totality what else is yoga but to rediscover this totality we have lost isn't this again a sign what was happening 100 years back we were all in small pockets pockets of religion pockets of science pockets of this country within country there were all kinds of denominations black and white and color and brown and um, good and bad all kinds of things where are we heading now towards a free mixing of all these different types and initially people feel threatened it's understandable you know because again infancy 
But what is the eventual result of all this? Eventual result is we are moving towards a point where we rediscover the oneness we have lost. And not only the oneness of human beings, that is not enough because we can say all humanity is one and then feel threatened by the aliens coming from somewhere in some corner. You know? So that's not the unity that we need to. We need to discover the unity of us with creation, with nature. Don't we see this cry going around? Everywhere you will see, you know, people talking about plastics and this kind of awareness. Is it not something new and unprecedented? I mean, we all have lived 100 years back or 200 years back. I'm sure in other bodies, some of us carry those imprints. Or if we look at history, you know, the offshoot of the Mahabharata war was the Gita, which is wonderful. Nobody discussed that we should have nuclear disarmament. We should have been the most logical thing to happen. Nobody discussed that. The world was almost going to finish. But there was no such discussion documented anywhere in the Mahabharata or anywhere that look. But today, you know, we talk about it. And if we are talking about it today, tomorrow we will end up achieving it. So this is the road map. There are many other things which are happening today. Incidentally, many things which we talk of as negative. If we look deep within, we will discover that's not negative. It is our eyes which are seeing with a jaundiced viewpoint. And the jaundiced viewpoint is we all want a new creation. But we want it the way I want it to be. And in that new creation, I as a parent or whatever should be at the center of things. We as human beings should be at the center of things. Excuse me, but we start from the very first premise. It's not human or this or that who is at the center. At the center there is truth. And we are living in an age of truth. All that is aligned to this truth, not only in its um, secret witness self, but in its unfolding. You know, it's called very beautifully in the Isha Upanishad, Satya Dharmai. You know, when mankind has no other measures or order or social conventions or religious moral things to hold on to, what does he look for? He looks for Satya Dharmai. What's my role? How should I act? What should I be? How should I do this or that? And by doing it, he will end up one day touching this great unfolding, which is unfolding itself in different ways, in different individuals. It's not something uniform. If you are looking for uniformity in the new creation and confusing it with unity, it won't be. Such a new creation will become another religion, maybe a world religion. And the mother says categorically, we don't want any more religions. A new religion will not only be, um, it's not only redundant or some, some word she has used, but harmful. The word she has used subsequently is but harmful. It's not only not necessary, but it will be harmful. It's like everybody should speak the same language, everybody should follow the same belief systems. We are getting past that age. And that's something very beautiful. We are searching for something more true, more enduring. A basis of unity has never searched before. What was the basis of unity? I know, I have seen this transition. I'm, I don't know if some of us may have seen it or not. But 50 years down the line, the only woman I could dream of marrying was from my caste. That too, there were various sub-castes. Kankubj can marry only Kankubj Brahmin. Or perhaps not, I've forgotten now. May not be Kankubj others you can marry. In the Brahmin. I said, this is too much. 
I can't follow this. <laughs> Too restrictive. Now nobody talks about all this, isn't it? So what is the deeper basis? People often lament, oh, old time marriage, so nice, it is gone. Yes, it's gone. <laughs> Let's not lament over it. <laughs> it won't come back if we lament. Divorce rates are high, they are high. But what is coming? That we should see. What is coming in its place? What was the core of marriage but was forgotten in a mass of rituals and customs and institutionalization and that was very simple, very beautiful. It was love. It was somewhere forgotten down the line. It was more like kartavyam, duty. That was the highest human beings could conceive as duty. And talk about love was something, my God, he's gone crazy. Gland is going awry. Need to see a doctor. Now it's the other way around. You try getting somebody married in an arranged way, you can almost write it off. And if you try all these restrictions, because I meet people, they say, oh, my daughter is not getting married. So I say, have you given an ad? Yes. I said, that's precisely what you shouldn't do. <laughs> and the ad contains all these things. Brahmin or Kshatriya or this or that. I said, nobody will get married. Are you living in an anachronistic, you know, out of time? Tell her, find out a friend for you and if she cannot, fine, it's okay. It's not compulsory even to get married. It's perfectly fine. What a wonderful world. You know, this cry for freedom, unity and fraternity which was dreamed. Again, the revolution of 1748, I may be mistaken with the dates, the French Revolution. Today it's like everybody feels it's his birthright. And those were the days when they were kings and you can't, you know, the revolution failed. Actually, it failed in a certain sense. But it left the idea imprinted upon the mind of the race and that idea is taking fruit now. Everybody wants freedom from everybody else. <laughs> and we feel bad about it. But 200 years back, we dreamed about it. Of course, it's not the true freedom. So, you know, people say, oh, this is not the true freedom. Of course, it's not the true freedom. One has to be foolish to believe it's the true freedom. But let's start the process. That's how the freedom will come. If we say it's not true, then we will keep waiting. It's like people, I said, they never walk the path because they are always thinking, what is the true path? So they are always sitting on the shore. Should I, should I not? And they are turning the path into a set of do's and don'ts. Life is not like that. It's a real journey. That's why, you know, yoga is a real-time engagement. It's not a set of books from which we can practice yoga. Nobody, even a guru will not tell you all these steps of the journey. If you are stumbling, what are you supposed to do? Mother gives us a very beautiful framework. Hold on to me. Call me. The simplest framework. Not like set of. So this is, and many other things are happening financial world, the grip that money had when it was in the pocket as actual notes. I don't know. People are aware of that time. The power of money which was there as actual concrete something. And now the money which is plastic, you have, your pocket is full and empty at the same time. All that you need is to forget your credit card at home. That's all that is required. Now, you know, it is an interesting thing because though there is money and there will be money, but it's it's becoming more and more abstract. It's no more, uh, you know, you feel very happy holding so much money in your pocket. 
and then you're worried what's happening to my money in the bank and what's happening to my money more than that in my house which I have hidden in drawers. <laughs> it's gone. Somebody is a fool to do that because it's, it's like it's becoming more and more in the realm of the intangible, more going back to its original space where it belonged to. Sri long back said, money is a vital force, it's not something physical. So it is something like that and it has its purpose. Its purpose is to create beauty in the world, to prepare for the new creation in its own way, the countless ways. So it's happening with that. And the same thing we see happening in the realm of the, a, a kind of strange uh, equation. You see, earlier we only talked about, uh, you know, of course in the Western context, where individuality in the Indian context was society. But if we go far back times, it was mainly the collectivity, which had an effect on the individual. If an individual lived life otherwise, he was a renegade element. Now we are trying to find a new kind of order where the two can come together. So we see that strange groupings of mankinds are coming, which are cutting across the bound, national boundaries. Strange groupings. These are experiments, I said, which mankind is engaging in. And two tendencies, simultaneous, on one side a strong sense of individuality. You know, one of the cover of the Time magazine wrote, the me, mine generation. I said, yeah, it's true, but perhaps it's better than you, your generation. Where me and mine is implicit, but only for some. It's me, mine, everybody is, you know, discovering and naturally it, it takes time, as I said. So it's on one side very strong sense of individuality, but that is also because I have a reason for it, uh, how I understand it, because now the souls, sparks that came into creation millions of years back, at least a million years back, are becoming individualized and therefore this is the time when the psychic being is close to its formation. That is one reason why we talk about the psychic being in Shurabindo's yoga so much more often. I was shocked when I was reading a perspective given by somebody in Shurabindo's um, yoga that, well, because this yoga is difficult, that's why Mother and Shurabindo, to make it easy, created the conception of psychic being. Conception. Somebody who has known the psychic being as one knows, you know, Object A, B, C will laugh at it. It's not a conception, it's a reality. It's a change you experience when you unite with your psychic being. You discover your past lives, you discover your immortality. All this is as true as anything else in the world. It's like reading your own life's book but from within outwards. And thereby reading the book of creation from within outwards. We read it from outside inside, that's our problem. We read it from below upwards, that's a problem. But we can read the book from above downwards and from within outwards. That's come with the discovery of the psychic being. Now why in the previous literature we see very little mention of it? There in some of the Upanishads. Angusta matra purusha, antaha sharire, jyotirmayo hishubra. But it's not so much because the time had not yet come. It's like Sri Krishna could give the supramental uh, truth in those days. But the world was not ready. So today the time has come when this cry for individuality is ultimately deep within because now these souls which were inside the casing, the seed, you know, seed has two layers, the soft layer and the hard crust. The time has come for the hard crust to melt away. And that's why the attention is turning inwards. And on the other side, a cry for something more universal, internationalism. Today's children... 
you talk about them about nationality and all that this is redundant or they will say you are being racist now it's so dangerous you know you don't know who will suddenly tell you you are being racist <laughs> because they are within them they are cutting through these boundaries which is good though you know it should not be a blind leap you know family nation and the world this is the three steps yogendra speaks about vishnu because nations also have a soul but i am not getting into it because it's a different dimension but even the nations are beginning to discover their own true soul enough of wars and imperialism or capturing who are we let's discover you know that's what is happening in great britain it's a discovery we discovered india but we didn't discover ourselves so let's discover ourselves are we an isolated nation what is our history what is our past what is our future and every nation america is going through it so every nation is going through this kind of a discovery of the national soul which is taking this form out of form but in children also there is a cry for internationalism for something more wider global having pizza for breakfast and dal makhani in the lunch and idli samar in the at night so this is the world we are living in i must say it's going to be beautiful it's going to be beautiful because what is behind this world very simple logic is beauty and truth and bliss what is at the core will come out at the end small little story and some lines from savitri with which we end so the story is that a farmer is every day putting water in the soil years pass by and people ask nothing is coming out are you sure there is something out there he says yes how are you sure are baba i have put it inside i know how it will come when it will come you know something which takes long to emerge but grows very fast that's why you see yoga can be understood simply by observing nature anybody any guess what is that plant let me end with a riddle not plant but um, let me not disclose it fully but something which is takes long to emerge but the moment it emerges goes very fast and to complete the riddle is used by krishna for his flute now bamboo it takes a few years you don't see anything happening out there when it comes it comes very fast why does krishna use it for his flute because it's hollow let's also become hollow not hollow in the way of hollow man <laughs> but free from the ego and we'll see this emergence let me close with these lines from savitri it's uh, every line is magnificent but you know in in times when we easily despair shubhendra gives us as always hope and the hope comes from the truth that is hidden behind we don't have to go by whatever we see if at the seed of creation there is devil devil will come out but if at the seed of creation there is divine eventually its end is going to be divine page 600 but maya is a veil of the absolute a truth occult has made this mighty world the eternal's wisdom and self knowledge act in ignorant mind and in the body's steps the inconscient those who are afraid of darkness 
The inconscient is the superconscious sleep. An unintelligible intelligence. You know, the best way we can talk about spiritual truth is sometimes by paradoxes. An unintelligible, unintelligible to the mind. An unintelligible intelligence invents creation's paradox profound. Spiritual thought is crammed in matter's forms. That's the original Vedas. Don't have to know Sanskrit to read the Vedas. You have to engage with life, with matter, with everything. And we will discover the Veda. Veda is there within everyone. Unseen, it throws out a dumb energy and works a miracle by a machine. All here is a mystery of contraries. Darkness, a magic of self-hidden light. Suffering, some secret raptures, tragic mask. Because it wants to take us to greater joy. So that limited joy must one day be taken away. Just like parents snatch away the little toy. But they have decided to send the child to school. Why? Because he can play with real stuff. And death an instrument of perpetual life. Although death stand, although death walks beside us on life's road, a dim bystander at the body start and a last judgment on man's futile works. Other is the riddle of its ambiguous face. Death is a stair, a door, a stumbling stride. This soul must take to cross from birth to birth, a grey defeat. Pregnant with victory, a whip to lash us towards a deathless state. The inconscient world is the spirit's self-made room. Eternal night, shadow of eternal day. Now come the master line. Night is not our beginning, nor our end. She is the dark mother in whose womb we have hid, safe from too swift waking to world pain. We came to her from a supernal light. By light we live, and to the light we go. Thank you. <laughs>